This episode is sponsored by Under Armour and their Infinite Elite Everyday Running Shoe, which I was lucky enough to head out to Barcelona and see being unveiled at its launch and to chat to athletes like Sharon Nikidi, who won the New York Marathon a few years ago, who does all of her easy and steady runs in this pair of shoes. And then we've set Jess from the Running Channel a very specific challenge to train for 12 weeks for her fastest, hopefully ever, 10K, which is also back out in Barcelona. Yeah, she is loving training in this shoe. And I think it's important as well because we're so lucky we get to test lots of different shoes. But we do know that some people just want that one pair that will do everything so Jess has been doing her long runs interval sessions and she will be tackling the final 10k in the Under Armour Infinite Elite shoes yeah big focus on endurance and a brand new foam which provides extra energy return and looks after you on even your longest runs so if you want to know more head to the link in the show notes You are listening to the Running Channel podcast with me, Andy Badley, my lovely co-host, Sarah Hartley, and the guy over there who, until a few minutes ago, had all of the audio channels muted, even though that's the only job, <laughs> Rick. You know what? It is true. This was going to be a very quiet podcast. <laughs> it's all right. You've got it now. It's fine. That yeah. bit wasn't recorded. It's because okay. I, I haven't actually seen you guys for a while. And, you know, now we're all back in the room together. It's lovely. I know. It's so lovely to be back. Andy's been off gallivanting. Where I have, have you been? I've just come back from Portugal. I was at a press trip with Under Armour for their launch of their brand new carbon shoe. They're pretty late to the game, but they've got a shoe that's ultimately has won the New York Marathon, so they're not messing about. And you've done some great runs over the last couple of days. And thank you to our loyal podcast listeners for <laughs> absolutely slating Andy <laughs> in his Strava comments. I think they're more slating you, actually. No, 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 no. no okay, on so my side. De- <laughs> definitely you. Yeah, yeah. I, I did. I, uh, I decided to title one of them in, in, in light of our recent discussions on the podcast. I call one of them that Sarah, Sarah won't allow me to title my Strava activities anything pretentious yeah. is one of the, the titles. That's fair. And then a lot of comments in there giving you a few, a few digs. And then actually, so the next day I actually did run quite a fast run. I was going hard and then I called it run without Sarah because obviously you weren't slowing me down. That was the, the joke. Yeah, I'm, maybe I'm I'll go back in and title my marathon run without Andy because you oh. wouldn't be able to keep up for that long. That's true. That's it's too far, idea. yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> I think it's just weird to have him on social media full stop. I got a follow from Andy Did on you? Instagram and I was like, Andy Badley? You know what? Who's I keep, that? I is, keep... that, is that the Andy Badley? <laughs> No, it's someone masquerading as me. I know you don't post on there, but I keep, because I've got your phone contact or something, I keep getting recommended you on TikTok and every time (laughs) it pops up, I just laugh to myself. Hey, I I feel like this this abuse, uh, my lack of social media savvy is completely unfounded. (laughs) Yeah, no, you're great, mate. Great. Um, Shall we talk about what we're going to be talking about this week? Because we've got another excellent controversial topic for you. That's right. Yeah, Uh, we're going to go through one topic every week uh, and then we will tackle a few quick news events and then your questions, probably the most important part of the podcast. But today, what have we got for people, Sarah? Well, we've got some very good questions coming up. I selected them earlier. But today's topic is, are you a runner or a jogger? (laughs) Okay, controversial. Let's get stuck in. And we're back, but we're all dissolved into fits of giggles at Rick's little note-taking over there. He's very loudly <laughs> making notes for himself so that he can put the edit together, because obviously we don't make any mistakes in this podcast. None whatsoever. I want to start off with, Rick, are you a runner or a jogger? I'm a runner, because I just think jogger sounds a little bit half-hearted. <laughs> Andy, are you a runner or a jogger? Well, I never really made a distinction. Like I, I had a t-shirt. I was just an Olympian, so... Oh, brilliant. I didn't- <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was the opposite. I was thinking that I, I I know people get upset about being referred to as a jogger, but I didn't mind it. We had the distinction on 
on the team because we're running at the Olympics or somewhere like that. There were guys running staggeringly fast times over 100, 200, 400, and they would, uh, in a friendly way, refer to the, the distance runners as joggers. Um, so even though we were running pretty fast, I, I felt we'd be on the track at the same time as guys running sub 10 seconds for 100. And they'd be like, oh, the joggers are out again. Um, but I, I, <laughs> I, I, quite, I quite enjoyed that. I didn't mind. I love how the joggers are doing like two hour marathons but yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that's fine. the joggers are out again yeah. you know, they <laughs> could be they could be bothered yeah so the joggers were going round and round just like in the song park run blur reference uh way before sarah was born probably yeah I didn't um that. and then the, but the, the then we would be making fun of the the sprint guys because they'd have such long recoveries and they were basically just sp- spent all of their time just wandering about it's watching like, the joggers like when you see people at the gym and they're just sat between sets so i find that yeah. really hard as a oh, runner yeah. i just still don't get the sitting part of the gym on when the you phone, are on the phone doing nothing yeah. in between sets oh, and you I really want to use that bit of machinery and, <laughs> and they're just flicking through videos tick but then that's what you have to do you have to take the recovery when you're like doing stuff but i just hate it I'm yeah. Like, yeah share <laughs> as, as you can see from my uh, as you can see from my physique i consider myself a power athlete yeah, yeah, I absolutely didn't at all. But if you are a power athlete and you're in the gym or, or on the track, then you do need these really long recoveries. But it's disconcerting when I'd be knocking out K reps and then uh, 30 seconds, 60 seconds recovery or something and then do another one. And they still haven't done another 60 meter effort from their one that they did 25 minutes ago. Like it's just different energy systems, I guess. Yeah. Do you want to know whether I'm a runner or a jogger? Oh, I forgot to ask no about you. No one's asked. Sorry. Oh, Sarah, <laughs> Sarah are you... I was just wondering, actually, are you a runner or a jogger? Thank you so much, Rick. So I would, I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, someone scroll through my Strava, I don't think I've ever called myself a jogger because I experience the same thing that you've experienced, Andy, but on the average runner side of it, in that I want to be a runner. I'm really serious about wanting to be a runner. If someone says, how was your jog? I'm like offended but I feel like that's society telling me I should be offended as opposed to thinking of it in any way. Yeah, I think there is a... So the reason that we started talking about this was uh, we mentioned it last time on the podcast that there was a, an article and it had surveyed a certain number of people and whether or not they thought pace played into the fact of, of you being able to call yourself a jogger. Uh, that's Freud. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> whether, whether or not pace played into, into the fact that you could call yourself a runner. And to be very clear at the running channel, if you're out there running in any capacity, you might be walking little bits, running, just doing any amount of running, then you are a runner. Um, uh, and I understand why people might get upset about being referred to as joggers, but that's not my take on it, I guess. No, I mean, ultimately, the words are interchangeable in my mind. They're both adjectives to describe something that you're doing. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, adjectives. That's <laughs> <laughs> why we're doing grammar now. Yeah. <laughs> I should have stayed away from English. Um, but I looked into this because I knew this was the Oh, top. no, they're not adjectives at all. Sorry, you, you caught me unawares there. They're nouns, right? You are a jogger or a runner. Yeah, but you can be jogging or running. Oh, they would be verbs. What's an adjective? An, a, an Adj- adjective is a doing describing word. Describing word. Descri- no, no, verbs oh, no, word. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Yeah, okay. This is, this is embarrassing. I have no idea whether Hang this is going to make the final cut. I kind of hope that it does. And adjectives describe something. Oh, yeah. So, so if, like big. If you're a fast runner. Yes. Then the adjective is the fast bit. Yes. Verb right. is what I meant. Slash Verb, right. noun. Yes. Are you running or jogging? Verb. Are yes. you a runner or a jogger? Excellent. Now. I'm glad that we've settled that. So uh, there's going to hey, be a lot you know of. What? Uh, I'm sure there's going to be loads of people listening, gonna, being like gonna, things you're too scared to ask yeah. but don't know. <laughs> That's true. They're going to use this in schools. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. I think actually there'll be just as many people who are grammar pedants um, <laughs> and who and, and who are freaking out at 
uh, I'm going to put it on you guys. I, I knew exactly what was going on. That's all right. Andy's keeping us in the straight and narrow. But so I looked up if there was a scientific difference between running and jogging. Like a definition. A definition, yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of stuff on the internet about how you put yourself in either one of the two categories, which I found quite interesting. So there were, I took all the different bits and pace comes into it, yeah. which I was kind of expecting. But I guess that's subjective because I don't know the percentage of like your interval pace whereas if you're doing an easy run then you you could yeah. be doing both throughout a week basically is what they were saying yeah well i would sometimes have referred to my easy runs as like, i'm going for a jog yeah um which i think is fair or yeah. a warm-up jog as well i would say like oh, i'm just gonna do a warm-up jog yeah and yeah. that's fair enough it feels like jogging is moving more slowly than rubbing running yeah yeah i think so the, problem, said, the problem rubbing then rubbing yes <laughs> careful jogging compared to rubbing uh, i think the distinction comes if it's used in a kind of derogatory way, where yeah. if you're sort of almost yeah. talking down to someone that they're, oh, you're only jogging. Like, that's awful if that if yeah, yeah, that yeah. was happening. Yeah. yeah, whereas I think actually if everyone started looking at easy runs as jogging, yeah. then that might actually help people to unlock the thing that I always get frustrated with myself in, in that I, so post-marathon, all of my mileage is easy. Yeah. Am I still running too fast? Yes. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. have I got back into a form like routine yet? No. Yeah, I remember having a t-shirt that just said jogging across the front. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. I mean, that's more of a savage indictment into my own fashion sense, but but that's that's so I, I, cool. I identified with that. <laughs> hey, it was a long time ago, right? <laughs> Last week. <laughs> this week he's upgraded and now it says running. <laughs> Yeah, I, I treated myself. What, what, pace up. what else was on the list? So pace was one of them. Form, which I wasn't expecting, was okay. another one. So yeah. they gave a definition of if you're running, then you're going to have your knees up. You're going to be flicking your feet up a little bit more. Whereas when you're jogging, your knees are going to be slightly more kind of flattened out. You're not going to be picking your feet up as much. Oh. And one site said that apparently when you're jogging, you're always going to have one foot on the floor at any one time. Whereas when you're running, both feet are going to lift off the floor. I mean, that's all nonsense, isn't it? So whoever, <laughs> know, whoever, whoever just... wrote this absolute... <laughs> Sorry, no, we're going to have to bleep that out. Aren't we? Um, whoever wrote this is... Yeah, I, I just disagree. But Pres I just, I find that mad that there's like such a distinction of, because also what's interesting is yeah. that that definition is the definition between speed walking and running. Exactly, that's what I was going to say. That The one foot on the ground at any one point, that's literally the rules in Olympic race walking that you have to have one foot making contact right. with the ground at, um, at all times. So yeah. by definition, that's not then jogging. No. And also the the low low knee carriage and and heel flick and stuff i yeah, have neither i have neither of those things so i'm jogging all the time yeah so technically i mean you said at the start that you kind of identify as a jogger and well, according yeah. to this you are yeah. yeah um the other two were intensity and then perceived exertion so this was interesting i read a couple of articles where it was like if you're going to go out for a jog then you it's more of a kind of leisure activity for you yeah. and you're and you've got more time to enjoy it whereas they were saying that runners or people when they're running can't enjoy it because they're like going for improvement or pace or speed or stuff like that you, well that's how i would have made the distinction for myself like i said warm-up jog or an easy jog in the evening i would have casually i wouldn't have thought about what i was saying but i definitely have said that before yeah so just it's how, how you think about it i think there might be loads of people out there i'd love to know podcast at the running channel.com let, let us know whether you've anyone's been kind of worried about defining themselves as a runner because you don't think you run mm. fast enough and don't merit mm. it i mean that's that shouldn't be the case because everyone's a runner um but yeah i think it comes into kind of whether you're 
getting everything into kind of one umbrella term. Yeah. Like like we said a few weeks ago, you need to be running at lots of different paces. So if it's helpful to describe your easy runs as jogging, then I think that's actually quite useful. I'm definitely going to use that as a tool to make sure that my runs aren't too fast. But like you say, I think where it comes into issue is when people like, you're a jogger. And yes. they mean it in an insulting Which way. Which in hindsight is exactly how I was being treated by those by, by all the yeah. big boys in the playground who by could run faster big. than me. <laughs> when, I was, when I was when I was on a track, um, feeling feeling inferior and 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 slow. Yeah, but you could run for much longer than they could. Yes, that's what I told myself at the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, although, in fairness, if I could have been a hundred meter sprinter, I'd have much rather been able to do that. Really? Yeah, well, it's more money, isn't it? Yeah. Well, that's one way. I hadn't. I didn't mean that. Both more. So in my mind, <laughs> everyone thinks that their distance or, or discipline is, is the hardest. So I've spoken to field eventers. Um, obviously, I think pole vault is pretty hard, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Um, but they would be like, oh, you know, I would hear people say, well, distance running is easy because you, you, you just got to keep up. And, and, and But I, in my mind, I'd be thinking, well, the 100, 200, 400, that's easy. You get your own lane. No one's pushing you. There's no tactics. You just run as fast as you can. Uh, but they would very much be like, no, no, there's phases of my race. So I have to execute those tactics. So everyone thinks that they're... We've, we've definitely digressed from jogging here, but I just think it's fascinating that everyone perceives that their event is is the hardest. So I'm sure that anyone's running 5k, 10k, half marathon, etc., they they would think that the thing that they think is is their speciality is probably what they think is is the hardest to execute. Interesting. I don't, I've never really thought about what would be the hardest. I think kind of clay pigeon shooting or uh, <laughs> some some kind of equine event. Well, you're definitely dressed to go to either of those events today, no, Rick, because you're in a full, I'm, I'm, you're in a full <laughs> blazer. You, got this, this is the first warning. This is the first warning. If anybody criticises the, the, the V-neck, the V-neck. Then, then you're off. I'll meet you. I'll meet you. I've got the power. I'm no wearing a uh, roll neck in opposition to the yeah. V-neck. Yeah. I've gone yeah. to the other extreme. In and true Simon Cowell style, I have basically the same outfit every day, so I don't have to make any decisions that are, are difficult you, in the morning. I've got like five white T-shirts. Five? Five? There are seven oh, days in the week, Andy. That's the weekend. Just pajamas all just day. Just running after kids all oh, weekend. Yeah, just the cr- well, have a, have, a, have a uniform for the crash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love it if you had a crash. It'd be so That's good. my house, obviously. That's the way you think that's about it. it. When I'm driving the bus, follow kids and then yeah, looking, yeah, after, yeah. looking after them in the crash. That Andy doesn't have a house number. He just has a name. The crash. One of the biggest questions we got from... One of the pods uh, the week before last was, uh, how many kids has Andy actually got? Let's leave it a mystery. Email into <laughs> podcast at therunningchannel.com if you want to hazard a guess as to how many kids Andy does have. <laughs> Coming up next, we've got the news followed by your questions and you're listening to The Running Channel Podcast. So it's almost question time, but before we do that, every week, Sarah and I will bring up a new story that we think would be interesting to chat through. So Sarah, what have you got? I've got one of the world's craziest and probably one of the world's hardest races. Is it, it the Running Channel bubble race where, <laughs> we, all, where we all ran around a track in uh, in Zorbs? No, it's no. slightly harder than that. Okay, It's the return of the Barclay Marathons. If you don't know what this is, this is one of the strangest, hardest, most difficult ultra running races in the world. And it's quirky, which I like. Quirky is an understatement. So if you haven't, check out the uh, the documentary on Netflix about it. Yeah, there's um, loads. It's it's been billed as like the race that eats its young. Yeah, it's, I think that's a, that's a uh, the Ginger Runner production that yeah. one on, on YouTube. That's also an amazing film. So yeah, it's it's absolutely bonkers and all come out of the mind of uh, Lazarus Lake. 
Yeah. So that's a real name as well. But <laughs> but this this race is incredible. So it's roughly around a hundred miles. Mm. It is run through really, really tough conditions. It's not one course, it's loops. So there are lots of different loops that you do. The race starts by him lighting a cigarette and every single person has a race number. And as they go around the loops, they have to find pages from a book that they bring back into the checkpoint once they've completed a loop. Yes, they have to prove that they've got to all of the different checkpoints and they rip out a page from the book that matches their race number right for that, yeah. for that circuit. Yeah, and they go back in. The race hasn't had a finisher since I think 2017. So wow. it's becoming more yeah. and more exciting to see who is going to be the next finisher. And it's the same lap every time, right? But, but it reverses direction each time so once you finish one lap then you have a little break or you can choose how long you have a break for you could go straight back out if you're mental but like you have you know get your recovery and nutrition and so on and then you'd go back out then you have to navigate essentially backwards around the same loop that you've just run forwards around and they alternate each time right yeah and also i've i think this year they or they probably do this most years but i don't think it's just alternating so i think this year they've done like one loop clockwise then they did two anti-clockwise and now they've gone back to clockwise so even harder how many loops in total do you know I think it's five. Okay. I think it's five and it's roughly about 20 miles per loop. Yeah, but everyone who does it reckons it's much longer than that. And you've got yeah. to self-navigate. You get get to pour over paper maps beforehand yeah. and then you basically have to remember it. Like you don't, you can't yeah, take you technology go. with you to, no. to, to kind of um, navigate. It's absolutely brutal. If you finish three laps, I think it's within 40 hours, then it's called a fun run, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which will be roughly fun. around like yeah. 60 to 70 miles that you will have done. Yeah, yeah, just a nice little fun run. Yeah, and then I think whoever gets back first after the penultimate loop gets to choose which direction they go on the very last loop. And then the mm. second person, if there is a second person, which there isn't always, um, has to go the opposite way. So they can't kind of chase each other around that 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 final loop. Absolutely brutal. This year, it's very, very exciting because we've got some incredible runners from the UK. Yeah competing so last year jasmine paris did a fun run and this year three laps the fun run is so (laughs) i love that it's it's ridiculous for what it is it's kind of the same as calling like a really hard effort a jog yes (laughs) it's it's literally the exact same of like come on she's done so well so yeah she did that last year this year she surpassed the fun run um they're out there doing it right now we're recording the podcast as they are just coming into the close of lap four so yeah, you're avidly following it and quite annoyed that we're not gonna be able to like reveal i know i'm so disappointed that this is the time that we chose to record yeah. so but there might not be a result because they might no one might finish yeah, yeah i know exactly. but i want to see how far they get because there are some incredible people competing there's someone who's won it three times who is yeah. competing there's um john kelly who's an american athlete who's out there smashing it although apparently he's limping according to oh, the right. official twitter feed wow we've got damien hall who won the spine race that we talked about um a while back on the podcast nikki spinks who if you don't know who she is she is incredible she used to be a lawyer in london and then she um i think got breast cancer gave all of that up and went to do be a sheep farmer up north and now she is a phenomenal ultra runner yeah and she's i mean this is and i'm uh, i'm meaning this as a compliment because it makes the feats even more incredible she's she's not like in her 30s right she's she's quite a bit older yeah i'm not sure how exactly how old but Yeah. yeah she is like a really seasoned runner and it's kind of this is what i love about ultra running is that it's not it's not necessarily all like 20 to 30 year olds who are taking on these epic feats it's kind of kind of shows that you need to be i think for the ultra running is as much mental as it is physical and it's kind of you need a little bit of life experience to be able to deal with the mental 
resilience and toughness that you need for these kind of challenges. Yeah, I've got way more life experience than you because uh, I'm so old, <laughs> as you like to remind me, but you've done an ultra and I haven't because I, that life experience has given me absolutely no ability to tolerate the kind of pain and endurance <laughs> well, that would yeah, be required. Well, yeah, you just ran around in circles. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I'm incredibly I mean, that, ta- good. that takes quite a lot of mental resilience, to be fair. I'm incredibly good at turning left, <laughs> but that is, that, is, that is all that is in my locker. Not a sharp left, though, a kind of gradual no, yeah, left. No, yeah, gradual. As, as, it has to immediately be followed by a straight line Yeah, yeah and yeah. then another left. Otherwise... Yeah. Game doesn't over. go anywhere no, exactly. so you're like going the other way around the course you'd be scuppered by that yeah if I had to turn right I had to probably just have to turn left three times Sarah's working <laughs> Sarah's working that one out <laughs> I think that works yeah and then if you want to yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sarah's Sarah's doubting where you're that's boggled my brain <laughs> but yeah I pictured a square yes, yes. okay um your new story Oh, it's sort of um, ultra trail related, but it was in, um, I saw it in the BBC News and it's, it's not news to me, but I think it might be news to people out there who might not know her story. So Sabrina Pace Humphreys was on the BBC News or BBC Sports kind of news this week, uh, basically telling her story. So she's someone we featured on the running channel and worked with before. Um, she uh, co-founded or founded the, the Black Trail Runners group, um, but she, she actually found running and interestingly, she found running through jogging. Um, which ties it in nicely. Uh, back in 2009, when she um, suffered was suffering from pretty severe postnatal depression, I think after the birth of her fourth child, uh, had never run or anything before, but was recommended by her GP to try something that was going to get her out, and in particular to try jogging. So she tried it, was terrible, didn't like it, but then kind of just gradually did more and more. And then she built up to Marathon de Sable, and, and then um, then the experiences of, of racism that she'd had through her life led her to try and get more black runners on the trails represented. Uh, and that's part of the video that we did with her. But just, I think that story is really powerful. Yeah, it's so powerful. And the work that she's doing, she's mm. recently released a book, which yeah, I think right. someone is reading on the yeah. shelf. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is incredible. And the work that she's doing is amazing. And it's so nice to see the impact that it's having. Like yeah. representation matters so much. That's what she says and if you know Sabrina you'll kind of yeah. see that message but yeah if you're if you're going to do one thing today then go and have a look at what she's doing because that message needs to be spread even wider and you can do quite a lot to help yeah exactly let's all um I suppose just be allies for anyone out there who would like to to run and, and be outside and get healthy and active you're listening to the running channel podcast up next we've got your questions Don't forget, this episode is sponsored by Under Armour and their Infinite Elite Shoes. Now, at The Running Channel, we bang on all the time about how if you want to run fast, you need to run slow. I'm talking about the 80-20 rule. Yes, you need to do the vast majority of your training at an easier or steadier pace. And you need an everyday pair of running shoes that you trust to do that. And the Infinite Elite has brand new cushioning technology in the form of Under Armour's Hover Plus. So that's designed to support you for the whole of even your longest runs with extra cushioning and energy return. So that's what this is all about. About. Yeah, and if you want to check out the Under Armour Infinite Elite, head to the link in the show notes. So Beth emailed to ask, my husband and I are both running the Great North Run in September, the first time at this length for both of us. We struggle to find the time to fit in long runs at the weekend, but we do enjoy it when we do. What do we miss by doing more shorter runs instead? What would be a good pacing strategy for these? couple of quick things. Uh, one, that's the fourth time that Rick's read that out. He can, <laughs> so we've had plenty of time to prepare an answer. And uh, number two, Great North Run, just for anyone listening from overseas, that is a half marathon, famous half marathon in the Northeast. I was editing it as, as I went along. Okay, right. I was editing. Good, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> can I jump in yes. here? So 
correct me if I'm wrong, Andy, but I would say if you're struggling to fit in a long run, which is fair, I've definitely struggled mm-hmm. with this. It can take up so much time. There's a lot of admin. There's a lot of like having to get yourself out the door. Yeah. But if you can do shorter runs, if you could do shorter runs back to back, that would help you to get what, like a double day. Yeah. Like no, no, just like a one run on a Saturday and then one run on a Sunday. Yeah. That might help with getting the same kind of equivalent effect with what a long run is going to give you so that's what I did when I was training for an ultra so you get used to running on tired legs which is going to help which if you are doing slightly shorter yeah I think like he's going to disagree no I'm, I'm agreeing with the fact that if you can't fit in a long run then doing something back to back where you are practicing that running under fatigue is definitely like is definitely a good idea and yeah. you could probably get the most bang for your buck there by running in say the evening on the Saturday and the morning on the Sunday. Yeah. So again, that's that's sort of simulating that. But there is broadly no direct substitute for a long run. Like you will get more benefit from it. Um, so the the way that your body responds to to your kind of fueling and metabolism and so on is different. So for example, I would have run a 90 minute long run, um, which for me was roughly a half marathon. And that was every week throughout my training. And I didn't ever uh fuel for that and the main reason was my understanding at the time anyway was the adaptation that i got for for in the final 20 minutes of that long run was the reason that i was doing it so if i just run an hour i wouldn't have got the benefit that i got from running that extra Mm. that extra half an hour because i and i could feel it i'd get to 70 minutes or so and this is why you wouldn't not fuel in a race but i could then feel that kind of slightly light lightheadedness or, or like I could feel the glycogen depletion in that last 20 minutes. And there is something about a physiological response to making sure you do those long runs um, to that, that will give you benefit over and above splitting into shorter runs. But, you know, you have to make the most of what you can get done. So you can be realistic with what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, the long run, especially if you're training for a half marathon, I would say the long runs are going to have less importance compared to a marathon where they are yeah. kind of one of the key components of your week but long runs for a half marathon still have a huge effect and it kind of it kind of depends how much shorter you're going so if you're yeah. you don't have some people when they're training for a half will run the half distance lots of times throughout training or even longer if you can't get up to the half distance even getting to kind of 10 to 15 on a long run is going to have a much bigger benefit than if you're just doing 5Ks back to back. Yeah, and I, th- I think just to the reason that you're doing it. So if you're doing it to run your best possible time over a half marathon, then yeah, I think you need a longer run in there. Um, but if you are doing it to give yourself the confidence that you're going to be able to finish the distance, then yes, I think splitting it into smaller runs is, is fine. Um, and you just if you're sensible about feeling tired on those runs to get that sensation that you're going to get in the race. And pacing strategy, just quickly, as you've mentioned that as well, oh. chunk it. Yes. If yeah. you are worried about the final race, then absolutely chunk it. Why not test out a run-walk strategy if you're if you're not going to be able to touch the kind of full distance before you get yeah. to it? Start thinking about run-walk strategy. And a lot of people will think, oh, well, I'll just run as much as I can and then I'll walk the final part of the yeah, race. No, yeah. Plan it into a lot more discernible Planet. chunks. And start practicing it as well. Like I know... Um, I've seen lots of people on Instagram who they've used run walking to get back into fitness yeah. and it, it's meant that they've done either like a four minutes running, one minute walking, and that's mean, meant that they can jump back into doing kind of four to 5k yeah. as opposed to only being able to do three. Or chunk or chunk it into, to, I don't know, 
four mile block. So it's 13.1 miles, you're roughly splitting it into thirds. So you yeah. could just make sure you go slow enough in that first four miles, then pick up the pace a little bit through the middle. And then you, you know, you're, you're four or five miles to go. And then you might just maintain that or, or but you, mentally you've, you've broken it down. Okay, so this next one is from Michael, who asks, uh, he says he's been ill recently and not run properly for three weeks now. He said that he's paranoid that when he does get back to running, he's going to be out of breath, slow, and back to square one. So just how much fitness do you lose when you haven't run for a while, and how long does it take to get back? Do you know what? I I think when you haven't run for a while, lots of stuff kicks in. Mm. This week, I was on the treadmill, and I was on number six. And I just couldn't figure for the life of me if it was six miles an hour or six kilometers an hour that I was running. And I was on it for 25 minutes trying to figure out, you know, I hadn't had, I'd had a couple of peanut grigios the night before, but not night nothing. Before. Not, I don't have more. That wasn't your, that wasn't your hydration <laughs> it, strategy. It was a Sunday. It was a Sunday. So, you know, a couple of light ones. You know, um, and I just couldn't get my head around what I was doing. And I, was, I started pressing treadmill on, on my Garmin, just trying to make it work to figure out what I was doing. And even at the end, I still had no idea if I'd been running six kilometers or six miles the, an hour. Do you know the, now? Just No, just six. The best uh, The best thing about that was you started by saying, I was on number six. And I thought that was going to be it. I thought that was the anecdote. So I, was just, I, I always run at level six. Yeah, yeah. Level six, no, six miles an hour kilometers. I mean, this you know, is what one of my friends it is it kilometers in the UK. Most treadmills are in kilometers. Yeah, it? sure. It's got a weird gym though. It might be miles. Yeah. You want it to be faster, I want right? It to be faster. <laughs> I can't be that slow. Um, but yeah, I think the the first thing to like, I would regularly ha- the paranoia is normal, mm. uh, and don't be tempted to come back too soon. So always wait one extra day. You know, the first day that you feel like, oh, I could run today whether that's injury or illness, a good, good, good kind of rule of thumb is give it another day. Uh, but even if I had two or three days out with illness, whether that's like a small cold or chesty cough or something, and I'd been training really well for years before it, those three days out, the first run back, I felt exactly how uh, Michael's described, like out of breath, slow, back to square one. Mm. Um, so I guess brace yourself to feel like that and that that's totally normal. And so even athletes that are running at a really high level feel like oh i've never run before in my life how do, how do i feel so bad um like you, we we actually talked about this recently sarah you were ill before christmas and had one of the worst sessions ever and then you were like worried about your fitness going yeah uh, illness i always always struggle with and i had a f- few instances before christmas where i just had to either take a day off or i actually was ill not ill enough to stop running but i noticed how it affected my runs and actually at the moment i feel like i'm in the same position slightly different circumstances but i finished a marathon i took just over a week off and now i'm two weeks back into running and they all feel awful (laughs) really it takes you that long to recover yeah i was reading i can't remember the exact numbers but i was actually reading how long it takes the body to recover after doing a marathon and like it it's something ridiculous like you can return to running most people do after like one to two weeks but actually your body's still recovering so, so it, it's normal yeah. they're not going to feel effortless going back into it especially all these elite runners they're not out there for as long as us average runners yeah, we're doing so four five true. six seven eight nine hours they're just out there for like two yeah it's easy isn't it well so there's <laughs> definitely a perception that they're running harder or yeah. you know maybe they're running at a more, oh yeah they're going pretty fast a percentage of their max might be harder so is that harder to recover from and i don't know and the shoes have made a big difference um but yeah people who are out there for running for longer than that two two and a half hours that's a lot that you're putting your body through mm. but the super shoes have helped a bit i definitely know that some people when i was competing 
very little impact protection would actually not only take weeks to recover from their um, marathon, but they might even pee blood in the immediate aftermath. What? Yeah. Really? <laughs> yes. What? what? Um, yeah. What? I mean, why? I'm not saying that's I'm not saying that's why, normal or advisable. Why would that happen? But I definitely why would know. That happen? <laughs> Rick's so concerned. <laughs> He's so upset. Yeah, go and see go and seek medical advice if this happens to you. But I, I definitely know instances where that happened, where the I guess just the exertion or the pounding, the physical impact on your body just had like wow. So had we've that had effect. taste blood and pee blood. Keep yeah. listening to see what Andy talks about blood next. Brilliant. Yeah, it's all my fault. <laughs> lovely, <laughs> lovely blood based anecdotes. My God. Right. Was well, it your nipples uh, that were bleeding <laughs> as well? No, Is I've it? definitely never had bleeding nipples. I don't I've never run far n- enough to. Uh, oh, really? oh, that's true. Yeah, that's yet. True. you don't yeah, run yeah. far enough yet. Yes, but exactly. back to the case in point. If you are struggling with it, if coming back after illness, and if actually what is kind of stressing you out the most is mm. just feeling out of breath or a bit slower or anything my advice would be get in some distraction techniques whether that is listening to music or a podcast our podcast for example or going and running with friends or going to park run doing something that is just going to get away from all of the kind of nervousness that you might have around times or how it feels just distract yourself and and even the the very best runners competing at a high level feel rubbish after they've had a few days off so it's it's totally normal you will have lost some fitness if you haven't been able to train at all for three weeks just make your peace with that. Build back up slowly. Don't try and jump back in where you were before. And maybe use heart rate as a good indicator. Like if your heart rate doesn't settle back quickly after a run, if you take a recovery or, or whatever, then that's probably an in- indicator that you're nice. not quite, not quite yeah. ready to go again. Definitely. Well, that's it for this week. You've, we've got through another episode. Yeah, particularly just painful. Hanging on. Hanging <laughs> on. Please do keep emailing through any questions or suggestions or just insults if you want to direct them towards Andy to podcast at channel.com. We would love to hear from you and we'll see you next week. Bye. This episode was brought to you by Under Armour and their Infinite Elite Everyday Running Shoe, which has a focus on both comfort and endurance. So an ultra springy, responsive feel that protects your legs and keeps them feeling fresh, which is what Jess has been putting to the test as she's been training for over the last 12 weeks for taking on her ultimate ever 10K. And she's been focused on consistency. So being able to show up with those fresh legs every day and every week in order to put in the work and the recovery that she needs to do to run her best. If you want to check out the Under Armour Infinite Elite, head to the link in the show notes.